every now and then um, someone will ask me a question that's a really good question. Um, every now and then, not all the time, but every now and then they do. And somebody asked me a question about the Go series, and they said, why are we doing this? And I thought, that is a great question. That is a great question I can use on Sunday morning for y'all. And they were saying, why, why are we doing this? And their whole thought was that, why are we doing this? And it, and it, it was kind of like, why are we doing this? Is it because we need, you need, we need money? The church needs money? And that's always a thing with money. Like Money's always an issue. It's always a concern. It's always part of the equation no matter what we do. If you go to the store and you buy something, you need money. You're going to buy a house, you need money. Uh, car, you need money. Even if you're buying a cup of coffee, you're always factoring. Money's always a factor. And so I said to him, I said, it's not, not really that. Even though we have this card where you can do the QR code, uh, we do support our missions, local missions, what we're doing here, global missions, what we're doing across the world. Above and beyond our regular giving, we have the buckets outside in the atrium. We've been asking you to give. But the truth is that that's not why we're doing it. That's not why we're doing it. Uh, it's a part of it, but it's not why we're doing it. So why, why are we doing this? Why, why, are, why are we doing this Go series? And Rick Warren has a quote in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, where it's a stat that where it's talking about what, the answer to the question, what is the purpose of the church? And he's, he has two, two answers. This question, what is the purpose of the church? 89% said the purpose of the church is to take care of my needs and the needs of my family. 89% said that. 11%, what is the purpose of the church? 11% answered, the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. Now, that's two totally different purposes. That's two totally different things. And the, the, the reason why we're doing this Go series is because the longer you're a follower of Christ, the longer you're part of a church, the more you feel like number one or A is the answer. That the purpose of the church is to meet my needs and to meet the needs of my family. That's about us. We're going to meet our needs. We're going to do it. It's just going to be about us. And the longer you're in the church, not everybody, but a lot of times it can be that way that the church becomes about themselves. And so we started this series, Go, where we talked about Go, what, like when we were just sitting here talking about what do, what, do we, what do we want you to do? And so the first week, if you I'm going to catch you up. If you hadn't figured this out, I'm catching you up. The first week, we talked about Go Love. You Go Love. That, that if you want to know what you're supposed to look like to the world, if you want to know what your job is, that you are to go love God, you're to go love God and you're to love people. That's it. That's what, that, that Jesus bowled down all the laws into those two things, that you go and you love God and you love people. So much so that when people think, people who don't know the Lord, people who don't go to the church, when they think about you, they think, you know, I, I don't believe like that guy. You people at your work, I don't believe like that guy. That, 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 that guy, I don't believe like he does. I don't really understand all this, but he's praying and it's it's kind of weird to me. I don't believe it. But you know what? That guy loves people. I'd hire a hundred people just like him. I'd hire him. I'd buy, I'd, if there's more like him, I'd hire people. Just, or this girl, this girl, she's always, she's always saying that she, uh, she's so loving and so nice and she cares about me, asking me how I'm doing. And, and, every, and, and she's kind of weird. She gets up and goes uh, and serves at her church. She gets up at like at five o'clock and she serves on the worship team. And I see her come home and, and like, I don't really understand all that. I think that's kind of weird that, that she does that. But you know what? She is so loving that I don't really understand what she believes. I don't even agree with what she believes, but she she is so loving that I would hire a hundred people just like her. 
That's what the first message is about. Let's go love. Let's let that be the, the banner we wave. You want to wave a banner? You wave the banner of Jesus Christ. That I love God. I love people. You wave that banner. That's the first week. The second week was go here, that we're to go here, that we're going to go and meet the needs of our community, that we're going to go. Uh, when we talk about doing herd mixing, someone literally asked me, why are we going to herd mixing? I'll tell you why we're going. You know why we're going? Because we get a chance to serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We do. We get a chance. Listen to me. I don't know what's going on here, but it's the Lord telling me I'm doing good. He told me I'm doing great. Keep going, Gary. He said, keep going. That's what he said. I tell you, I'm going to do it too. I'm going to obey. I don't even know where I was at. Anyway, where was it? Help me out here. Herd mixing, herd mixing, herd mixing. Thanks, thank you. Herd mixing. Herd mixing. That's it. I'm going to herd mixing. Listen to me, hear me on this. A publicly funded government entity is asking for our help, people. We're going. We're going. We're going. We always go, they took prayer out of schools. They got to they do they can't. Look, they're asking for help. Now's the time. The ones have been chirping off. Now's the time. Let's go. Let's go. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let's show them who Jesus Christ is. Let's serve. Let's do it. So we're going to go locally. We're going to go and, and uh, refuge, pregnancy, salvation army, uh, food pantry, all these other local things that if you, if you go here and you, and you do the QR code, it lists these things that we are going to go here. We're going to go here. And that today, I'm going to transition a little bit and talk about going there. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go globally. What does that look like? How does that work? And try to paint a picture for all of us of what that could look like for you. What that could look like for me. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump in. You know, last week I told you, I, I wanted to, if you were here, I said, I want to push all the way to the edge here to where you're almost mad at me. I don't want to push that hard today, but I want to push. I want to push. So I just want to tell you, I want to push. I want to push you to change, maybe change the way you think about your life, the purpose of your life, the purpose of the church, of your being part of a church. So I want to push, push right to the edge right there. And I want to pray for you before I do. Father, speak to us. Help us to hear your call. Help us to see our purpose. Help us to see the power of our individual lives when we go, but also the power of our collective lives as a church when we go. Use us today, Lord. Let this be the, the jump start of something great in our life. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We go there because Jesus says that we can't stay here. Now, you don't have to go home. You just can't. A couple of people answered. The rest of y'all knew that song. You scared to say it, weren't you? I don't know. We can't stay here. We talked about last week where Jesus introduced this Acts 1-8 uh, where we talked about that we would go to Jerusalem. Matter of fact, the scripture says right there, it says, you will receive power. Jesus gives us his scripture. Right before he's to go up to heaven, he gives us his scripture to his, uh, his apostles. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Same Holy Spirit came on them, came on us. 
and you will be my witnesses. And he says in Jerusalem, we use that, talked about, they would go locally in the community. If you're here last week, you remember me talking about that they went to Jerusalem, they started there. But the funny thing about it is they tried to stay there. They tried to stay there. Jesus tells them, he says, you can't just stay there. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, you're going to go, but you're not just going to stay in this one place. But they tried to stay. I said, I said this in the first message, uh, the go love. They tried to stay in that one place. And God actually used persecution to spread the gospel. He got them out. He started, the church was persecuted there in Jerusalem and it spread. And so they went to these other places. And so we can't just stay here. We can't just stay here. We've got to go because God's calling us to go to other places. He is. He's called us. He's never said, hey, I'm going to save you. And it's just going to, the gospel is just going to be in Covington or the gospel is just going to be in Porterdale, or the gospel is just going to be in Starsville. I'm satisfied with the people of Starsville. Where, this is where I live in Starsville. You don't even know where it's at. I live in Starsville. People in Starsville, I'm satisfied with all the people in Starsville being saved, and I don't care about anybody else. That's not what God says. He says, we're to go. We're to go. He's not satisfied. We are to go. But why? Why? Why would God do this? Why is God calling us to this? The same thing is we go there, because every lost person matters to God, so they, they must matter to us. Now, I'm going to say this again because we say this sometimes, and sometimes you hear things and you don't hear it, but I want you to hear it. We go there because every lost person matters to God. They must matter to us, everyone, every one of them. Every lost person ought to matter to us. It ought to bother us. It ought to keep us awake at night. We ought, it, ought to, it ought to drive us to our knees. It ought to bother us. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, man, we, we, we get this picture of, of people differently. Like, I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? Some weird questions, all right? If you had... If you had 100... 100... remote controls to your TV, only worked on your TV, if you had a hundred of them, and you lost one, would you get up off the couch and look for that one, or would you just use the other 99? First service, when people raised their hand, I'd go look for it. I called them tight wads, tight wads, whatever. <laughs> All right, same question. If you had a hundred garage door openers, that only worked your garage door. They only worked yours. And you were there and you're getting ready to open the garage door. You're getting ready to open the garage door and you're getting in there and you realize you've only got 99. Do you get up out of your car and go look for the one you lost? Or do you just open the garage door and go in? Now, first service, a guy came to me afterwards and said, I'd, uh, I'd go look for that garage door opener. And I'm going to talk to you what I said to him later. He'll never, he'll never bring that up again. So, yeah. I think we just go in. We just go in. I got 99. I don't need that. I don't need the 100. All right, if you had 100 cell phones. Now, these are a little more expensive. I get it. A little more expensive. You had 100 cell phones. They're all with, just with your number. It's your number. You have 100 cell phones with your number. And you lost one. And I know how it feels when you lose your cell phone. What's funny is we've gone our whole lives never having a cell phone, most of us, a lot of us. But now we can't function. I can't do it. I don't have my cell phone. I, I need to call Leslie and tell her I don't have my cell phone. <laughs> you ever had that thought? It's a weird thought, isn't it? I need to call her and tell her I don't have it. Because I've had this, my, you know, I need it. You've got 99. Do you go look for that one? 
Maybe. All right, last one. I'm beating a horse here. I'm beating it. I'm going to beat it to death. I love Jersey Mike sandwiches. All right. I love the number five. All right. On Rosemary Parm, regular size. I've got a hundred sandwiches. Hundred of them. I lose one. I've got 99. Am I going to get up and go look for that one? Look at me. No, I'm not. I'm going to eat them. When we talk about people mattering to God, sometimes we look at people as if they're like a remote, like they're disposable. Or their garage or, or, or we've got plenty here. Now, I, I want to just walk you through some scriptures here. Just talking about how much people matter to God and, and how big a deal this is. First one comes from Romans, where Paul is talking to the church in Rome. And we just happen to be going through Romans. We're going to get to this uh, at some point this year. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, that ought to make us want to go, if nothing else makes us want to go. That one thing, that anyone who calls upon anybody that's in a messed up situation, anybody's in a sin issue, anybody has an addiction, anybody that's going through a terrible time, anybody who's lost, anybody, if they call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. That ought to make us want to go. That ought to make us wake up in the morning thinking, I'm going. But how then, Paul has a series of questions, but how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And he gives us this, this example of that. You and I have this good news, and it's a beautiful thing that these feet, these feet are beautiful. I, we don't think of feet being beautiful, but these feet that carry the good news to people. Hey, there's a God out there. He loves you. You matter to God. You, you matter to him that he's, man, he wants you. He, he, he died on the cross for you, that he, he wants to save you. Everything you've done has been forgiven, that we get to share this. And, you know, we think about this whole thing that because we don't, we don't uh, carry good news like they did back then, now we have Facebook. Back then they had runners, that if you had good news, they had a runner and he would run. Like if there was a battle far away, they'd want to know, how's the battle going? So they'd send runners to, to report. And, and the runner, if he had good news, it was great. And a lot of times the runner would get rewarded for, for just sharing this good news. And then uh, nobody wanted to be the runner with the bad news. If he had bad news, nobody wanted to carry the bad news because that's where we get the phrase, don't shoot the messenger. Because they would carry this bad news and people like, oh, it's bad. You, you must be the reason why we get bad news. And, and then the, the runner would, but man, we've got good news. That man, we look good. How beautiful are the feet. Look how big these suckers are. Look at them, y'all. Size 14, proud of them, guys. How beautiful are the feet of those who carry good news. That man, we're going. And then you get this second verse. Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Man, what a beautiful verse that is. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And so Jesus tells this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness 
and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep, I found the one. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Man, Jesus tells the story, people matter to me. They matter to me. And they ought to matter to you. That you were the lost sheep that I left and I saved you, that you ought to have that same heart that I have, ought to have that same heart that, man, we care. And then one last one. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And you heard me say this in the first week, this is going to be the greatest day of your life, this is going to be the worst. And there's no in-between, there's no, there's no middle ground, there's no do-over at this point, there's no, it's just, this is it. It's either the greatest day of your life, that your name is written in the book of life, or it's not, it's the worst day of your life. It's, there's no in-between. There's no in-between for you, there's no in-between for your family, no in-between for your friends, your neighbors, your, the people on your ball team, there's no in-between. There's no, at this point, there's no in-between. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Sometimes I feel like we think that this is a wreck ball game, that we're playing wreck ball, that at the end of the season that everybody's going to get a trophy. And I'm not a I'm not opposed to everybody getting a trophy. That's not my point. But we think that at the end of life that it's just everybody's going to be okay. It's just all going to be okay. It's not going to be okay. It's not. Hear me. It's not. That Jesus didn't die on the cross for everybody just to be okay. That people have to accept him. That Jesus said there's no one can get to the Father but by me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That, that it's not just going to simply be okay. That that's why he's calling us to go. He's calling us. And sometimes we think because we live here that, that things are going great with the gospel, that, 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 that God is just simply satisfied with what's going on here in, in our community or in, in this church and everything like that. And so I want you to look at the screen for a second. This is talking about all people groups. That if you look right here, that 42% are unreached. that 6.5% are minimally reached. 10% are superficially reached. 21% cultures are partially reached. And 18% are significantly reached. There's a lot of work to do, y'all. A lot of work. A lot of work. A lot of work for all of us. As a matter of fact, if we get this map, even different picture of that, the red are areas that, man, just need a lot of work. And there's some here in the States that, that are red. Some, some places nearby, close to us, that are just, that they need work. And even the ones that are yellow need work. And, and we would even say, even though the ones that are, that are a lot of green, they just, they need work. There's work to be done. And I love this quote by David Platt. I love this quote by David Platt. It says, God has 
not just commanded us to go make the gospel known among as many people as possible. He has commanded us to make it known among all peoples. He's called us to everybody. So what do we want you to do? What do we want you to do today? What's, what's the point of today's message? What, why are we doing this? Because we want you to be a goer. And we want you to be a sender. I want you to be a goer. I want you to be a sender. I'm going to talk about this for a second. I want you to think for a second that you believe that God had called you to go. You believe this. Like I've just, he's called you to go globally somewhere. What if you were to believe that? And you were to throw out any excuse to keep you from going. Whatever, whatever excuse you're like, I could never do that. And um, you got all these excuses like, uh, and then look, I'm, I'm just, I've been there and we all have them. So this is fear. I'm scared. I don't want to be rejected. I'm inadequate. I don't have the resources. Whatever, whatever, or you may have something that I hadn't thought about. Whatever that is, just put that on a shelf right. Put it back here for a second. And let's just pretend that you're going. You're going. God called you to go. You're going somewhere else. You're going globally. You're going to a people group. You're going somewhere else. We talked about last week going here. So just, I'm, I still want to go here, but I also want to go there. That's where God, Jesus is calling us here. and He's calling us there. But you're going. Think about that for a second. Man, what could God do through you? What could he do through you? What could he do? You, you, you think, ah, he wouldn't. You. Look, I'm telling you. This is the opportunity God gives us that, man, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus globally. And whether that's witnessing to someone or building a house or being part of a VBS or doing something, that God wants to use us in other cultures. And listen, when I say this, it would not be extreme thought to think that somebody here today would, has the call that God's placed to call in their life to go be a missionary full time. But for the rest of us that we would go and be a missionary on a short term trip, that we would just simply go, you're going, Gary, you're talking about, no, I'm talking to you. I promise you. I am talking to whoever you're here to, if you're hearing my voice, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me because this is what Jesus says, where to go. That's where he's calling us. You want to know why we're doing this series? Because God is calling us to go. What could happen? How many lives could be changed across this world? What could happen if, if we were to go and we took this seriously? Look at the scripture right here. He says, may the Lord be gracious to us and bless us so that we can stay here and just have a really good time in Covington. No, that's not what he says. Look, I want the Lord's blessing on you. I, I, I want his grace. I want his face to shine upon you. But listen to why that is so. He says, may the Lord be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on the earth. Your saving power among all nations. And then the next one. This is, these are Jesus' words. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. You want to know what Jesus is waiting on? He's waiting on us, waiting on us to go, to take this command seriously. So be a goer. I want you to be a goer. I want you to be a goer. I want you to, I want you to think for just a second. Sh shove all the excuses for all the reasons, just throw them aside, and just say, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Look at the scripture right here. Isaiah. I want to go to Isaiah. 
Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? That's God saying that. Who's going to go for us? And Isaiah said, Send Gary. Or send Dave. Or, or send Christy. No. You know what he said? You send me. I'll go. I'll go. So be a goer. I want you to watch this video of, we support several organizations globally, but one of them we just came back from was with Casas Por Cristo, where we go and we build a house in this community. And you're going to hear from Jason Laffin, talk about their ministry, talk about how anybody could go on this. And this is, there's a bunch of different things. You're going to hear me talk about it, but it's talking about simply going, just go. So watch this video for me. Hey, Jason, so glad to have you from uh, El Paso, right? Yes, Hunter, I am here in El Paso working with Casas Por Cristo. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to, to, to talk to me. Just want to highlight uh, the ministry and the, and the mission there. So uh, first off, why don't you tell us your role at the organization and how long you've been there? We've been doing this for 30 years. There's about 2 million people in the city of Juarez. Our ministry also operates in other locations. Uh, Ciudad Acuna, which is where mm -hmm. Eastridge just came and participated and built a house, and Guatemala, the Dominican Republic, uh, Honduras, and Nicaragua are all countries we have operations and serve in. And so I have um, I have been here for 20, almost 23 years, and my role is director of operations. And so when I'm not in the office, I'm out in the field, as we say, and we're building houses for families in one week's time from start to finish. So my day-to-day -day job, I like to say when the desk job gets boring, uh, it's time to go out and build. And when the feet get tired from building, it's time to come in and, and work at the desk for a little bit, so. And so like, what is it, what are the living conditions that people are, are facing that don't have homes, like actual structural houses? So we experience the extremes of the weather because when you're in a desert um, region, it's really cold at night when the sun goes down and then it warms up during the day and that's for winter time. So it's common in January, February for us to have temperatures in the twenties and thirties at night. And during the summer, of course, as you would expect in a desert, we're well over a hundred degrees during the day. And so if you could imagine just living in a, um, a pallet house, so the pallets at the grocery store are stacked up, nailed something onto them, or maybe they have an adobe building that's just blocks. Maybe they've gotten some scrap materials, they've put something together, and then you are sleeping inside that shelter. So if it rains, maybe you don't get wet. If it's windy, maybe the wind's not quite as strong, but whatever the temperature is outside, that's what it is inside of your house when you have nothing to protect you from that. So. So what does it look like? How do people respond when you finally hand the keys over? Like what are the people's responses like? And what does that process look like? The believers in their heart are overcome with emotions or they don't have words to express the thankfulness and the gratitude that they have. And they are all pointing it towards God and how he's providing for them. And they, it's almost unbelievable in their mind. Uh, for the unbeliever who we serve and the pastor is building a relationship with and, and hopefully sharing the gospel in that week or in the, the days following. But for them, it's kind of a disbelief 
because why would someone come do this for me? Like, why would these people who live in another country give their money and time to build for me and they don't know me? And so it's very emotional, deeply emotional for, for these families and tears are almost always shed. When you build a house, you know, there's some hard days and some hot days and some cold days, depending on the year. But I think everyone agrees that the best day is the last day when we give that family the keys and, and turn the house over to them. So, If someone wants to get involved with Casas Pro Cristo, what's, what's the easiest way, uh, maybe low commitment, and then what's the one of, a big way they can get involved? So the, the commitment you can do from your house, you can do on your schedule and on your time, is to just pray for our ministry. And you may say, well, I don't know, how do I pray? For you guys, like I don't, I, this is the first time I've ever heard about you guys. Well, what I would say is um, follow us on social media, and we every week we're putting out prayer requests and things that are going on for that week or things that happened. Uh, the middle of the way is, say, kind of in the middle is of course the the giving and then just engaging with what we have going on. Sometimes you don't have to come on a trip to help us get the mission accomplished that we're trying to do. And so that could look like sharing some of the posts we have or having a conversation with somebody about what you've heard. And then, of course, you know, the biggest way to get involved is sign up for a trip. You don't have to have construction experience, although that's great if you do. You just got to have a heart and be willing to let God stretch you for a week as we come and do this together. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you, Eastridge, for your support. It means the world to me and my family, and you are the reason we can stay on this field. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Just got back from Casas a couple weeks ago. Um, went down to Acuna, built a house. I was looking at this. That was my 10th trip, uh, 10, 10 times. Listen, uh, people have helped support me, which you're going to hear talk about in a second. Um, some things I've had to sacrifice to go. Uh, you know, I, I told first services, I'll tell up. My, my boys wanted to go one year. We didn't have the money for all of us to go. And so I sold some guns. I had some guns I had, and I thought they're just sitting here, and I sold them. I, I don't regret it one bit um, because I see the power of going, of how it changes us and it changes them. It changes that when we do it, something happens supernaturally. And so I'm saying, be a goer. Be a goer. Think, think to yourself, God's calling me to go. Man, what would happen if I were to go? If I were to throw away all the excuses, everything that's holding me back, and just trusted the Lord that he's calling me and I'm going to go. So that's the first thing is go be a goer. Be a goer. The second thing is be a sender. Be a sender. That, that you go and you also sin. We're always in this, this thing of going sin. Uh, a few uh, weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, Krista was on the stage talking about going to the, to the Ukraine. She's going to the Ukraine, partnering with First Baptist in Jonesboro uh, to go on a mission trip with them. And we are supporting her. We, we're helping to send her. We helped raise money for that. And we've done this with other people that we are in this constant thing of going and sending. But you always hear this from me. And, and, you, and the truth is, you're probably thinking a lot of, especially if you're new, you're thinking, I get paid to say this. That, that's, that's valid. So I I've asked one of our volunteers, uh, Jason Rowletter, if he would come on the stage and share his story of, about going and sending. So anyway, Jason, come on. Welcome him warmly, Eastridge. Jason, this was your second trip, right? 
Yes, sir. My second trip. Sorry. Second trip. And so um, the first question uh, was, why was it important for you to go to another culture, to people you don't know, give of your resources, give of your time to help them? Well, as a follower of Jesus, I'm instructed to go share the love of others. I mean, share the love of Jesus with others by serving them. And I always do this locally without any problems. But last summer, God was calling me to do more. I didn't know what it was because the church hadn't been on mission trips due to COVID. But I knew I needed to do something. So last fall, when the trip was announced, I knew God was calling me to go on that trip so I could share the love of Jesus with others. And second question, how did people partner with you on this trip? Well, after committing, of course, I asked all my friends and family for prayer. But asking for money is a different thing. I wanted to do all this on my own. Like, I didn't need nobody's help. But the God, had, God had other plans. God was leaning on me to ask others to go with me. And how could they go with me? Through their resources. Still, I was hesitant. But my wife told me, listen to God and trust Him. So I sent out a text to my small group. Said, hey, if you want to support me, great, no pressure. That following Sunday, my good friend Glenn came up to me and said, Ro, I've been called to help you and handed me some money. I continued to fund my trip, not thinking anything else. Next thing you know, I get two different phone calls saying, Ro, your trip's been fully funded to the point you have excess. So that excess was proof, was proof that somebody else got to go on the trip. So that was all the proof I needed that God wanted me to include others on my trip. I hope you see that, that he got so much money that that extra was used for someone else to be able to go who couldn't afford it. Just God being, I mean, Roe being obedient to God and asking for support. And then finally, the third one is, what impact has going there made in your life? Um, contentment is a struggle for me. But after witnessing that family receive that home and spend like all their weekly resources just to feed us brought them so much joy that I have no reason not to be content. Because if I'm generous with my time, talent, and treasure, I can put all my contentment in God. And also, the relationships I built on this trip. Like, I got to rekindle relationships with people at the East Campus, meet some new people at the East Campus, but to really get to know the people at this campus. Like, Melissa Hay, great cook, right? Her boys, Trevor and Journey, have unending energy, right? Randy has the best can-do attitude there is, and our translator, Myra, she was there at the first service, her ability to communicate was invaluable, especially when bartering for Mexican candy. And last but not least is Gary is such a humble servant. I don't know about that, but anyway. Such a humble servant. Don't believe him. But anyway, I wouldn't know any of this information if we all didn't go. All I would know them as people I go to church with or how they take their coffee. Thanks, Ro, for sharing. Thank you. So what do we want from you? I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want something for you. There's a big difference. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want you to see your life the way Jesus sees it. He sees you as a missionary. He's calling you to go. He is. He's calling you. What if? What if we went? What if we went, listen to me, what if we went locally like we never had before? I wish that I'd done this first service. How many babies could be saved? 
How many homeless people could be fed? How many addictions could be broken? How many people wouldn't commit suicide? What if we went globally? Listen, what if we went globally? How many homes could be built? How many churches could be started? How many ministries could be encouraged? What if we were to go? What if we, if we took this so seriously? First service, I told you that guy came up to me, and a great guy, I love him to death. He said, he said, if I lost a garage door remote, he said, I would go look for that. He said, because if I lost that, then someone could get into my house and they could steal my stuff. And I looked at him and I said, with that same urgency and that same passion, you go to the lost. You go to the world. Because Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 and I'll go to the one. Let's go to the one. Let's be that kind of church. That's what we want to be. be. That's who we want to be. Let's go. And I'm praying that you do. If you want to give your financial resources, we would love to to, uh, receive them. And we are going to give every dollar that you put in that bucket, every dollar that you designate for missions, we give it away. Nothing to that will go to Eastridge. You want to do that? Great. But let's go. Let's go. I'm praying that you do. So I'm going to pray for us. Father, Lord, you have two calls in our lives, to be goers and be senders. Lord, I pray that we see it. We see it, that it's not just about us. It's never been about us. That you've been calling us to something greater, something that's going to last forever. That we get a chance to shape eternities here locally, but also globally. That you want to use us the way we're wired, the way we're made, the way we're shaped, the skills we have, the knowledge we have the personality we have, the spirit that you have given all of us inside of us, you want to use in a greater way. So Lord, use us today. I pray that that, that the call of our life today is that, that, man, we would say, here am I, send me, send me, Lord, wherever you want, send me. So Father, we turn our lives over to you today. I pray today is a line in the sand where we step across and say, "My, my time, my resources, everything I have, I give to you. I'm going to follow you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.